Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today's message comes from the New Testament reading of Acts, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, 75. That's the number that I want you to remember today. Now, last week we talked about a few days and numbers. Those numbers you actually heard in the New Testament reading from Acts. It reads, This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. He has poured out this, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. On Good Friday, 2,000 years ago, Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. Three days after Jesus died on the cross, he rose from the dead. That's the day we celebrate as Easter. Forty days after Easter, Jesus ascended into heaven. Fifty days after Easter, the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. Let's go back to the question we asked the children this morning. If you could have anything in this life, what would you want? What is your greatest want? Now, I'm not asking you to say that answer out loud, and maybe you've already thought of it when we asked the kids. This is something for you to think on. Here's the next question to consider. I also ask this question to the children. What does God want for your life? We pray in the Lord's Prayer, Thy will be done. What is God's will for you? This answer might come easier. And you might have some different answers, but here are some options you might think of. To obey God's commands. If you go back to the garden, God told Adam to do anything except this one thing. Don't eat from this one tree. Later, more commands were added since Adam and Eve messed up that one. And somebody even asked Jesus which commandment was the greatest. And he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So if this is what God wants for you, how's it going? Ever since Adam and Eve failed in the garden, all of us have failed to follow God's commands. So this is an impossible task to keep perfectly because we are not perfect. So do you think the one thing God wants for you is something that's impossible for you? He does want this for you, but he wants something even greater. That's because failing to keep God's commands isn't just an impossible task for us to do on our own. There are consequences for our failure. Our failure, which is also called sin. Sin has been passed down to all of us from Adam and Eve. And as a result of original sin, we do all kinds of actual sins. And sin leads to death, as Paul writes in Romans. Physical death and eternal death as well. Hell, being forever separated from God. This is not what God wants for you. He does not want you to suffer. He does not want you to go to hell. 
He wants you to believe in him so that you can have eternal life. That's John 3.16. That's the gospel message. A couple weeks ago, you heard these verses from Jesus in John chapter 17. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Then Jesus said earlier in John 17, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. We can then ask ourselves, how do we come to know God? Through his means of grace. First of all, through the Word, where we learn about who God is. Today is Trinity Sunday, and in God's Word, we learn that God is three persons in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In God's Word, we also hear about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son, for us. As you heard at the end of the New Testament reading, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Jesus then sends the Holy Spirit to be with us, to create faith in us. And faith comes through hearing the word. He has also given us two sacraments. The first you saw this morning, that is baptism. Baptism in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of sins and for salvation. The Holy Spirit is at work in little Theo's life and in the lives of all those who are baptized. Not only creating faith, but sustaining it. And God has also given us the Lord's Supper. Again, for our forgiveness, for the strengthening of our faith, and for our salvation. This is the life God wants for all of you. To know him, believe in him, and have eternal life. I have one more question to ask today. Parents, if you could have anything for your kids, what would you want for them in their life? Again, I'm not asking you to say that answer out loud. I'm asking you to think. I will tell you the answer that I hear most often in the world, and that is for them to be happy. For them to be happy. Now, I've only been a parent for a few years. I haven't walked in many of the steps that you have. Some of you have been parents for way longer than I've been alive. But I'm sorry. I have to say that that seems like you're setting the bar pretty low. Because anything can make a kid happy. I mean, you heard in the children's chat, Micah, my son, said food makes him happy. Food will make anybody happy for a while. Stuff, things will make anybody happy for a while. But what if your child came and said, drugs? Drugs will make me happy. Is that what you want for your kids? Would you support them in that? Because happy doesn't always mean right. You know what I want for the lives of my children? 
the exact same thing that God wants for them. As John writes in Revelation 2, to be faithful all the days of their lives, to believe in God and have eternal life. There is nothing greater that we could desire for our children. But here's the reality. We are fighting an uphill battle. The world, the devil, and our sinful flesh want to pull them away from the church, want to pull them away from remaining faithful. Here's the other reality. Even within their own families, children are fighting an uphill battle. In the last number of years, there's been a few different studies done on the outcome of church attendance through the adolescence to adulthood. What's our number for today? 75. 75 what? 75%. Now I'm going to give you a statement that I want you to tell me whether you think it's true or false. 75% is the percentage of children that will remain faithful in worship if their parents are faithful in worship. True or false? Now let me tell you that again and then I'll ask for a show of hands. 75 is the percentage of children that will remain faithful in worship if their parents are faithful in worship. How many of you think that's true? How many of you think that's false? The answer is false. 75% of children will remain faithful in worship if their father is faithful in worship. Okay, I'll give you another one. 75% of children will not remain faithful in worship if their parents are not faithful in worship. How many of you think that's true? How many of you think that's false? The answer is false. 75% of children will not remain faithful in worship if their father is not faithful in worship. Today is Father's Day, and so we have to talk to the dads. The statistics don't lie. Moms, you have almost no impact on your children's faithfulness. It is all about the father. And this is exactly how God ordained it. Last week, we talked about the order of creation. God, mankind, all other created things. Mankind is the pinnacle of God's creation and has been given dominion over all things. He also has an order within mankind. That is God, man, woman. You see this clearly after Adam and Eve sin. Now, we often blame the woman because she ate first. But if you read Genesis 3, Eve took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate. The man is called to protect and defend his family, specifically here his wife Eve. And you see Adam fail to do that in the garden. Of course, in our world today, women are told that they don't need a man, especially not a man to defend or protect them. This isn't about need, though. This is about God's order. 
keep reading on and see who bears the responsibility. Genesis 3 reads, But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Who does God call? The man, Adam. He then said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? All these yous here are singular. God's only speaking to Adam. This is confirmed by Paul in Romans 5 when he says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Sin came through one man, not Adam and Eve, just Adam. Then, of course, faced with his own failure, Adam does blame Eve because he doesn't want to be responsible, doesn't want to own up to his mistakes. Has anything changed in the thousands of years since this garden scene? Why did Jesus have to be man? Because he is the new Adam. Through one man, Adam, came sin. Through one man, Jesus, came forgiveness. Through one man, Adam, came death. Through one man, Jesus, came eternal life. That's why the man is the head of the family and the one called to teach his family the faith, as you read in the small catechism. He is responsible for his family. And this is something we've been talking about in our men's ministry. Many of them are here today. The importance of the roles we have as men within Christ's church and within our families. We have the most important role, and statistics prove that. Now, obviously, not every statistic and person fits what results have found because not everyone has a father or even a good fatherly example. But in general, the statistics match what God established, what God has called the man to do. The man leads the family in matters of faith. And if you are not a father, you can still be an example and mentor to others. The unfortunate part is, is you can look at Peace Lutheran Church, you can look at churches across Winnipeg, you can look at churches across the world, and so much of the responsibility for leading and teaching the faith to children and being the example for faith has fallen on the women. Now, there's lots of reasons we can probably point to as to why this happens. But the reason that men have failed to live up to their calling as men, as husbands, as fathers, is because of sin. And sin is the reason we only want our kids to be happy and not remain faithful to God all their days. Because the men who are supposed to be leading the charge to keep their kids faithful are themselves not faithful. Jesus is the new Adam. And through baptism, we are given Jesus. And we are made new. And that new man arises because the perfect man, Jesus, is at work in our lives. What God wants is for all his children to believe and be faithful. That's you. That's me. Faithful even to the point of death, and he will give you the crown of life. That's why Jesus came. Yes, we sin. Yes, we blame everyone but ourselves when we sin. 
Yes, God calls us to be responsible for our sin. But he also knows that there is nothing we can do to fix the problem of sin. So he, God himself, came down from heaven, was born, crucified, died, was buried, rose, ascended for your sins, for my sins, for the sins of the whole world. He took your sins, your death, your hell, in order to give you heaven. That is true happiness. Spending forever in paradise with God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The same promise given to the thief on the cross. The same promise to all who believe. Happy Father's Day. Happy Baptismal Day, Theo. And happy Trinity Sunday. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.